0: Morning. Let's uh, continue in a spirit of prayer. Father, uh, you are a light for our feet, a lamp for our feet, showing us our condition and our situation where we are, and you are a light unto our path, showing us a way forward. I know there are many here who may feel uh, cold physically, spiritually. There are some in here who perhaps feel tired. There are some who feel sick. Father, we ask that You would, Your Spirit would come and be in this place, that He would come and warm our hearts to receive this news from Your Word would he come and move powerfully, speak through my words? For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, as uh, you can see from the title of this particular sermon of these verses in 1 Corinthians that we're looking at, who are the wise today? Who are the people that our society would say are wise or have wisdom? Is it. Scientists or teachers or professors or politicians? Probably not, but we keep voting for these people. Is it older people? What is it that makes someone wise? They discover new things like scientists. They, uh, they have great knowledge like teachers. Uh, they're well-spoken like politicians, or they have uh, a lot of experience like older people do. It reminds me of the story of uh, the doctor, the lawyer, the little boy, and the minister who were all out for uh, a Sunday afternoon flight on a private plane as doctors, lawyers, little boys, and ministers do on Sunday afternoons. (laughs) And suddenly this plane develops engine trouble. And uh, in spite of the best efforts of the pilot, uh, the plane starts to go down. And finally the pilot grabs a parachute and he yells to the passengers that they had better jump uh, and bail out. Unfortunately, there's only three parachutes remaining. The doctor grabs one and says, Well, I saved lives and I need to live So I'm taking this parachute, and he jumps out. And the lawyer says, I'm a lawyer, and lawyers are the smartest people in the world. I deserve to live. And he grabs a parachute, and he jumps out. And the minister looks at the little boy and says, my son, I have lived a long life full of years. You are young, and you have your whole life ahead of you. Take this last parachute and live in peace. The little boy handed the parachute back to the pastor and says, Not to worry, pastor. The smartest man in the world just took off with my backpack. <laughs> we've uh, These last two weeks in looking at 1 Corinthians, we've been looking at this issue of maturity and uh, specifically the cross and what people make of it. Is it foolishness or is it wisdom? And what is wisdom? Paul seems to be poo-pooing wisdom in these first few chapters. God says he will destroy the wisdom of the wise. Paul says that Jews look for miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom, and he's saying that in a negative sense. Then he goes on to say he did not come to the Corinthians with eloquence or wisdom, that, that he wants the Corinthian faith not to be based on man's wisdom but on God's power. So we have to ask the question is wisdom to be avoided? Is that what Paul's trying to tell us here? Are there different types of wisdom? Well, Paul says in verse 6, and I'm reading from the NIV We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. The wisdom that Paul is talking about, it's not the wisdom of the world. It's not the wisdom of the age or the rulers of the age. It's not the wisdom of the wise. It's the wisdom of God, and it's the wisdom from God. And that wisdom is the saving message of Jesus Christ crucified. As he said earlier, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It's not some special additional message. It's not some elite club within Christianity. It's not even impressive by world standards. It is simply the message of the cross. And the glory to come for those who are under that banner of Christ. Because the message of the cross holds out an amazing future for those who cling to it. And so we proclaim this really amazing, great news, this wisdom to those who don't know it, to those who see it as foolishness. And we preach it to one another. We preach all the full implications of the cross to one another, including our ultimate glorification. And all of this, Paul says, is God's secret wisdom. Why is it a secret? Why would he call it a secret? Because this wisdom requires revelation. It needs to be revealed the way that a a statue or a a piece of artwork is, is covered until the time is right and the cord is pulled and the artwork or the statue is revealed. Well, what does that revelation look like here? Paul in verse 9 quotes Isaiah 64 to explain... No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. The wisdom of God goes beyond what human eyes can see, what human ears can hear, what human minds can comprehend. This wisdom cannot be grasped by either science, nor poetry, nor music. It is unattainable by our finite, fallen, fallible minds. It can only be known if God should choose to make it known. Which is exactly what he has done. Verse 10, but God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. What is Paul doing here? What is he saying? He's saying no matter how wise a person may appear to be, No matter how many discoveries a person makes, no matter how much information a person's mind can absorb, no matter how eloquent a person may be, no matter how many experiences a person may have in their life, those minds flop around hopelessly on their own when it comes to the wisdom of God. Isaiah 55 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. In other words, the mind of God is as much higher from our minds as the heavens are from the earth, which is infinitely higher There's no ladder or building high enough for us to reach into heaven and into that infinite mind of God. If you don't believe me, just ask the people who built the Tower of Babel. And so we're left with the question, well then, how can we know the mind of God? And the answer is that we cannot if God remains silent. We can't even read each other's minds if we remain silent. We cannot know a person's mind unless they say or write what is on their mind, right? The same goes for the infinite holy God who is before time and eternal. You know, I see these groups that say that they believe in God, that he created the world, but that he has left us here to figure things out on our own. And that makes me very sad. How they could have missed the truth, how they could miss this message. It's, it's really heartbreaking. And if anything, it makes me want to get out there and speak it and tell it. Because God has spoken. God's Holy Spirit revealed it to the apostles who wrote and taught the wisdom of God and that has been passed on to us. And that same Holy Spirit reveals the truth of what they wrote and the truth of the good news of Jesus Christ even today, these thousands of years later. But our human nature... Wants to feel important. We want to do it ourselves. We want to say that we achieved the wisdom of God by our sheer effort and our hard work. We want the world to know how smart our brains are. And the exact same thing was happening in Corinth all those centuries ago. The Corinthians wanted to rely on their self-focused, self-glorifying human reasoning in their struggles within their own church, which caused Paul to remind them that they didn't grasp the gospel of Jesus Christ by human effort or human wisdom. And so why then would they try and use those efforts to fix the problems that are in the church. Human wisdom and human effort didn't earn them their salvation. No, God's wisdom comes through the ministry of His Holy Spirit. In the church. And so Paul spends most of this section looking at the work of the Holy Spirit and the Word, because if the Corinthians don't get this, then they will only continue to boast about self and, and fragment and segment into what leader they like and whose teaching they follow. And it will continue to be more and more fractured instead of humbly submitting themselves to God and His Word. And I would say that we are, can be in the same danger as, as well. How easy it is to do those things when we start relying on our own human efforts and our, uh, our intellect and our knowledge and all these things that we have accumulated instead of being unified by the Spirit of Christ. And let me say this. This is exciting. This is exciting. This is the work that has brought us to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. This is the work that I saw happen not long ago when I was in Sydney as I talked to a man in a park who was completely depressed and and I saw him move from the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light as he received Christ into his life. This is the work that happens day in and day out as people are giving their lives to Christ. This is the work that most of you have experienced in your own life and will continue to experience for the rest of your lives. This is the work that keeps us together and united, moving forward, no matter our differences, no matter our background, because we are unified in this gospel of Jesus Christ. So then let us too be reminded of this powerful work, and that we're going to look at four stages of the work of the Holy Spirit. Four stages of the work of the Holy Spirit. Because what better way to combat against those natural proclivities uh, uh, to put our trust in ourselves than to look at the character of our God. Four stages. The searching work of the Spirit, the revealing work of the Spirit, the inspiring work of the Spirit, the enlightening work of the Spirit. Not sexy titles, but they get the point across. The Holy Spirit is searching spirit. Verse 10, he searches all things, even the deep things of God. He knows the thoughts of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Just as nobody can fully understand a human being except that human being themselves, so nobody can fully understand God except God himself. And the Holy Spirit searches the depths of God and he knows the things of God because he is himself God. The Corinthians thought that perhaps they could explore these infinite depths on their own using human wisdom. And and I come across this all the time. Uh, Just the other day I had a conversation with someone who said that God had abandoned them. In their human reasoning and in their intellect and wisdom that they had in their mind, they had offended God too many times. They were beyond forgiveness. They had turned their back on Him too much. But this is just a reading of human nature into the character of God. As a human, if you offend me too many times, yes, I will probably not return your call. I will put you in my rearview mirror, and I will leave you alone. But that is not our God. Psalm 86 says, You are forgiving and good, O Lord, abounding in love to all who call to you. Abounding, not limited. Peter denies Jesus three times, and yet Jesus forgives him and recommissions him to be one of his apostles. And Peter continued to mess up. Go read Galatians chapter 2. Only through the Holy Spirit can the wisdom of God be made known, not through our own efforts, praise God. And so the question is, what has the Holy Spirit done with what He has searched out and come to know? And the answer is that He reveals it. He reveals it. He revealed it to the apostles. He revealed that salvation is a gift by grace, not earned, not won, not achieved using uh, wisdom and intellect from the world. It's given freely by grace, and we do not deserve it. Paul himself, through his letters, explains this gospel of grace, how God set his love on the very people who did not deserve it, how he sent his son to die for sinners like you and me, who deserved nothing at his hands except judgment. How God raised him from the dead to demonstrate that he did not die in vain. And how by faith inwardly and by baptism outwardly, we may become united to Christ in his death and resurrection, right? But how could Paul understand all of this? How can he in his human reasoning come to this conclusion unless he himself had received the Spirit who interpreted his experience to him? here's a really bad, weak example. My sister-in-law, not the one that's here, but Lindsay's sister, uh, she loves music, loves music. And years ago, her father bought her a first-generation iPod. And she opens up this Christmas present, and she's looking at this box. She has absolutely no idea what it is and what it is capable of. Even though it was far better gift than anything she could have imagined, no more CDs and fumbling around with a you know, the bookcases filled with CDs. All of it was in this one little device. But when she opened it, she didn't know what it was. It had to be revealed to her. Someone had to reveal what it was that she had in order for her to appreciate and understand the gift. So the Holy Spirit is the searching Spirit and the revealing Spirit. He reveals the truth of what we have, of what Christ has done for us. He's also the inspiring Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit did not keep the good news to himself, the good news of God's plan of salvation for mankind, he reveals it to the apostles. And the apostles didn't in turn keep it for themselves, this good news. But they went around writing and preaching and proclaiming it in what we have in the New Testament books. Even us, people, 2,000 years later, may have that good news and rejoice and see people come to faith and the knowledge of Christ. The apostles knew they were stewards of this amazing, true story of God's revelation, of God's rescue plan for mankind. And how did they deliver this message? Verse 13, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit. Not only has God the Holy Spirit searched, searched God, searched the things of God, the mind of God, not only has He revealed the truth, But he has now given the words with which to pass on this revelation to others. Finally, he is the enlightening spirit. What happened when the gospel went out from the apostles? What happened when the letters of Peter and Paul and John arrived in churches? What happened? Were these men and women left to try and figure out things on their own and use their human wisdom and intellect and all these things? No, because the same Holy Spirit who searches the mind of God, the same Holy Spirit who revealed to the apostles the truth of the wisdom of God, the same Holy Spirit who inspired the apostles and the writers of the New Testament is the same Holy Spirit who works at both ends of the communication process. For He is active in all of us who have the Spirit of God. Verse 13, this is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words, or as the RSV puts it, interpreting spiritual truths to those who possess the Spirit. In other words, the possession of the Holy Spirit is not limited to the biblical authors, it wasn't just that the Holy Spirit came to them and then was gone. But that Bible readers share in him too. Praise God, dumpy little me, nobody from nowhere, somebody that, nothing in, in and of myself that makes me eccentric, that makes God look down and say, I need to save him. Wow, what a unique gift to mankind. I'm going to save him. Me, poor, hopeless sinner, and yet the creator of time and space and universe comes to earth to die in my place, and not only that, but that he sends his Spirit so that I can read those words, and they not sound foolish, but they sound awesome. Well, what does this look like in our world, in our day? What does a spiritual and an unspiritual person look like? key is what we have just looked at. It is in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That is the distinguishing mark of the true Christian. Verse 14, The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Verse 15, The spiritual man makes judgment about all things but he himself is not subject to a man's judgment for who has known the mind of the lord that he may instruct him but we have the mind of christ you need the holy spirit to illuminate the truth of the gospel in order to understand and accept it apart from him the cross and what the bible says just looks foolish I don't have to preach that to you. You've met people like this. Maybe you're one of these people. It just looks foolishness. But the person indwelt by the Spirit makes judgments about all things, meaning he discerns all things or he evaluates all things. Not that the person with the Spirit is uh, all-knowing or infallible, No, but the things to which they were spiritually blind now at last begin to make sense. They understand what they had not understood before, even though they themselves are not understood by anyone who has not experienced this themselves. And I'm sure many of you can testify to this. I have a friend back, um, well, he was in Australia when we were there. He's moved Uh, to Ireland. Here's a man who was in the Australian Army. He'd gotten his girlfriend pregnant. He was a drinker. He was a fighter. He was addicted to pornography. Oh, and by the way, he is the son of the Archbishop. And he's surrounded by all of these great influences in his life. And yet he was blind to all the grace that was surrounding him. All the people and the books and the resources that were pointing him over and over and over again to salvation in Christ alone. Until finally the day came when his spiritual eyes were opened and his life was transformed. But those who were part of his previous life looked at him when all this happened and looked at him as if he was crazy. They made judgments about this new lifestyle. They made fun of his decision to give up everything to follow the first century Jewish carpenter. But you see, they were not discerning, because they were without the Spirit. And so to them, it looked foolish. Why would you give up on all these things for that? But to those of us that have the Spirit, we rejoice when a person's spiritual eyes are opened, because we know And we understand that the gospel has taken root in a life. That that seed that was sown has fallen on good soil. That the Holy Spirit has unstopped deaf ears and has opened blind eyes and given new life in Christ. And that, brothers and sisters, is wisdom. That is the wisdom of God. It won't earn you a bunch of money. It won't make you smarter academically. It won't make you a great public speaker. It won't even make you popular. But it will forever change your life. It will give you new family if your blood family thinks you are foolish. It will give you promises about life and hope and a future that you could never have imagined. It will make you see friends and family and relationships and jobs and money with new eyes. So Paul is painting for the Corinthians a vivid contrast between the wisdom of this world and the wisdom of God. If you have received the Holy Spirit, if you have come to know the wisdom of God, then how could you ever go back to the things that are only temporary, to the things that make promises that they cannot keep. No, you have the Holy Spirit of God, you have the mind of Christ. Let's pray. Father, what can we say? You, the eternal and perfect and infinite, have given us, poor, sinful, broken people, the wisdom of God. You, the life giver, have sent your Spirit so that we can see and receive the good news of salvation through Christ. What can we say but thank you? We come empty, but you fill us up. We ask, Father, that you would use us as your instruments for accomplishing your will. Not that we can receive the praise, but that you may be honored and glorified and praised. May we not go back to the wisdom of the age, as tempting as it may be. But may we rest and trust and be reminded of the wisdom of God that we now can have the mind of Christ. For we pray this in His name. Amen.